in glorious Chapter 24 On our left, fire. On our right, the front rank of taxons. Straight ahead, a ravine a hundred feet deep. It was like it had been cut with a knife. Like someone had slashed the earth and made a cut so deep you could throw a skyscraper down it. The ravine was narrow, no more than forty feet across. At the bottom, I knew, was a rushing stream. In spring, it would swell with the melting ice from the mountains. But now, the stream was narrow, leaving wide sandy banks on either side. You're only about fifteen, twenty seconds away from the ravine, Jake called down. But there are more bad guys getting in the way. I'm pretty sure I count six. Two taxons and four hork warriors. Oh man, I muttered. Fifteen seconds, Jake had said. I counted in my head as I ran. One, two, three, four. Here A hork warrior leapt at me, a blur of dark green black leather skin and flashing blades. Then more of them. They were everywhere. Rachel, behind you! Slash! A wrist blade drew a line of blood across my chest. Slash! I fought back, hacking at my attacker with all my speed and strength. Ah! The pain came out of nowhere. A hork had jumped up from the deep grass and hit me from behind. I could feel my entire left side starting to go numb. Slash! 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 My wrist blades and elbow blades ripped into hork flesh. I went a little crazy, I think, because I didn't even know what I was doing anymore. I was on automatic. I was a slashing, ripping, tearing machine. But I was getting hurt at the same time. I was outnumbered. There were three hork on me, two on Rachel. There had been three on her, too, but she had taken one of them out of the fight. Slash, slash, slash. My entire world was nothing but blow and counterblow. A wrist blade cut toward my head, and I blocked it. I swiped upward with my knee, and then jerked my talons back to catch the thigh of the hork behind me. Every move happened in a split second. In the time it would take a human to blink his eyes once, I would block two thrusts and throw three of my own. Then, wham! I was on my back in the dirt. My left leg had stopped working. Two hork now stood over me. One raised his ripping talon, ready to bring it down on my chest. I lay back helpless, staring up at the blue sky. Suddenly, a flash of pale gray, coming down like a rock. Like an arrow fired from a cloud it came, wings tucked back, dropping at more than a hundred miles an hour. A peregrine falcon, the fastest thing in the air. Jake! At the last second, his wings opened. He took the shock of the air and swept his talons forward, all in one fluid motion. Even in pain, lying there a second away from death, I thought I had never seen anything so perfect in my life. In a split second, Jake was gone, and the larger hork was screaming and holding his eyes. I was ready. I swept my leg left to right and knocked the hork off his feet. I was up and hobbling on my one good leg before he hit the ground. I ran to Rachel and helped knock our last hork foe to the ground. Ready to go? Been ready, Rachel said. Although my one leg was almost useless, I could still use my tail for balance and hobble at a pretty good speed. Rachel soon pulled out ahead of me, but that was okay. That was the plan. Jake? I said. That was one sweet save back there. Would it be wrong for me to say I love you, man? 
<laughs> that was fun. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that was a rush. Jake exulted. Rachel and I ran toward the lip of the ravine. And now I could actually feel the heat of the fire approaching. The wind shifted and I gagged on thick black smoke. I lost sight of Rachel. When the smoke cleared, I was face to face with a taxon. You're lucky I'm in a hurry, or you'd be warm hash. I said, and rushed past the huge centipede. Rachel, ten feet to your left. Jake instructed. Yeah, yeah, right there between the two saplings. I looked forward just in time to see Rachel leap out into the air. Out into the emptiness she went, and then disappeared. She fell from sight. My heart stopped beating. Both of them. I felt my throat clutch tight. It was a hundred feet to the bottom of that ravine. Not even a hork could survive that kind of fall. Now it was my turn. I ran for the ravine lip. Oh man! Jake cried. On your left! In front of you! I didn't see them all in the smoke! Tobias! It's him! A thick wall of smoke swirled around me, then blew away. It was like some horrible magic trick. One minute, there was the ravine. The next second, there stood three hork And one Andalite. One Andalite who was no Andalite at all. Visser 3 stood on the very lip of the ravine, right in my path. hork are fast, but the tail of an Andalite is faster. I couldn't win a fight against Visser 3 and three hork No way. But then suddenly, it occurred to me. I grinned. At least, as much as a hork can grin. I looked Visser 3 right in his main eyes. Cut! Help pack! Free! I yelled, using my hork voice. And I charged, straight at him, running flat out, ignoring the searing pain from my injured leg. Visser 3 watched me calmly for a couple of seconds. Then it occurred to him, too, just like it had to me. See, he might get me with his tail, even kill me before I could get to the ravine. But my momentum would certainly carry me forward, and I would knock Visser 3 off the edge, too. At the last second, Visser 3 dodged nimbly out of my way. Cat, help back, and Jarahami, free! I shouted defiantly as I jumped off the edge of the ravine. I fell. The floor of the ravine was a long, long, long way down. I saw a brutish massive arm shoot out. A fist the size of a Virginia baked ham grabbed my leg. I stopped falling. I slammed into the ravine wall and the massive arm yanked me back upward, right up into the shallow cave in the ravine wall. No earth animal could possibly have caught a falling, seven-foot-tall hork in midair. No animal except a gorilla. Nice catch, I said to Marco. He hauled me up into the cave and bodily shoved me back to where Rachel was waiting quietly. We huddled there, waiting, silent, we were just a few feet down below the lip of the ravine. Because of the overhang, I could look down and see the floor of the ravine. Down there, on the sand, lay the crumpled forms of two very dead-looking hork A pair of hungry wolves were already tearing at their dead flesh. Jerahami and Kethalpak lay still as Cassie and Jake, who had to fly down to the ravine and morph from falcon to human to wolf, pretended to begin devouring them. Fortunately, Hork-Bajir can stand a lot of pain, and they heal pretty quickly. 
Because I'll tell you what, if I didn't know the truth, even I would have thought that the two hork were about to become Wolf Chow. I held my breath. Would the Yurks be fooled? Would Visitor 3 believe that Rachel and I had fallen to our deaths? I heard cruel laughter in my head. Fools! Visitor 3 sneered. No one escapes the Yurk Empire. Certainly not a pair of idiot hork Look at them down there, all of you! That's what awaits anyone who tries to escape the Yurks! He laughed a terrible laugh. The wolves will give them the burial they deserve. Chapter 25 We waited till Visser 3 and the rest of the Yurks, human, Horkbashir, and Taxons, left. Then we crawled back up onto the lip of the ravine. We morphed back, and once we were all together again, we headed off across the land the Yurks had burned. We knew we had to be quick. The Forest Service firefighters would be showing up soon even though the fire had mostly just burned itself out. We found the valley, the lovely little valley the Elemist had shown me. I knew what to look for, otherwise I'd never have noticed it. I was a good puppet for the Elemist. I had done my job well. Not that I regretted that part of it. I could never be sorry for helping anyone escape York slavery. But I was once more a red-tailed hawk, and so I would remain. The entrance to the valley was so narrow, the hork could barely fit between the rock walls. It was like some amazing bandit hideout from an old western movie. Jake said, You know, I wonder if this valley even existed before. You think maybe the Elemis created it? I asked. Jake shrugged. Could be. It's awfully convenient. I let it drop. I didn't really want to discuss the Elemist. He'd lied to me. He hadn't given me back my humanity. This was a good moment for the hork I wasn't going to spoil it by being selfish. While the others squeezed through the narrow gap in the rocks, I caught a beautiful warm updraft and went up and over. Even from the air, you might not notice the valley unless you were really looking for it. From high up, it just looks like a particularly dense ribbon of trees. Not until I dropped down through the branches did I see the shallow lake surrounded by sandy shores. Trees of every type and description were there, berry bushes ringed by a small sunny meadow, the meadow I'd seen in my mind. To tell you the truth, that little meadow would have been heaven for a red-tailed hawk, a sweet territory for a bird of prey. I flew back to meet the others as they came into the valley. They were all standing around, gaping. It's beautiful, Cassie breathed. Are we there? Jerahami asked me. Yes, this is the place. Good place, Kent Halpak said. Good place for Kawat Naj. What? Jake asked, puzzled. I heard them use that word before. Jerahami, what does Kawat Naj mean? Jerahami and Kent Halpak laughed their strange hork laugh. Kawat Naj, small hork Small Jarahami, small Kent Halpak. Children, Rachel translated. They're going to have little baby hork They will be the first hork born into freedom in a very long time. Axe said. The Elemist did not lie. The valley exists. No, he didn't lie. I said. Not about this, anyway. 
Well, let's just take our clothes off, Marco said briskly. You know the rules. In the Garden of Eden, you don't wear clothes. Rachel, you can start. Garden of Eden? Jarahami echoed. That is this place? Not unless you want to change your name to Adam, Marco said. I was just joking, big guy. But look, I have to know. How do you tell a male Horkbajir from a female? Jarahami looked puzzled. Male? Female? What meaning? Go ahead, Marco. Explain, Cassie teased. But Ket Halpak understood. Jarahami and Ket Halpak different. Jarahami have three here. She pointed at her horn blades. Ket have two. That's the only difference? Marco asked. Other difference too, Ket Halpak said primly. But only for hork to know. That got a laugh, even from Axe, which just puzzled the hork even more. Everyone stayed for a little while. Then they all left. All but the two hork and me. I stayed to help the hork survey their new home. I found caves where they could spend cold nights, and explained to them that they could never leave the valley. Not until Earth was rid of the Yurks. Then I flew home. Home to my own meadow. My own territory. The hork had their Eden. The others all had their homes. I had my meadow. Chapter 26 The next day was Sunday. Not that it mattered to me. Rachel came to my meadow to see me. But I avoided her. I flew away and left her yelling, Tobias! Tobias, where are you? Into the woods. I'm sorry, but I knew why she was there. She'd come to tell me it would all be okay. She'd come to make sure I didn't feel too bad. And knowing Rachel, she'd help me curse and blame the Elemist. But I didn't want pity. Not even Rachel's pity. I was dealing with things. But I was barely dealing. And I felt like if someone was nice to me, I'd totally fall apart. I'm a predator, a raptor, a hawk. I didn't want anyone feeling sorry for me. Throughout the day, I went about my routine. I went back to mapping out the entrances to the yerk pool. I watched the known controllers come and go. And I was fine. Until the sun set and night fell. I went to my favorite perch in the old oak tree. And I watched the foxes and raccoons and owls and other night creatures do their work. Axe came by looking for me. I didn't want to talk to him either, but he knew I was there. Hey, Axe man, I said. Hello, Tobias. How are you? Same as ever, and I really don't want to talk about it, I said bluntly. I guess Axe took the hint. He stayed for just a few more seconds, then made an excuse to take off. I knew I was just feeling sorry for myself. But too bad. I had reason to feel sorry for myself. So this is gonna be it, I told myself bitterly. This is your life. No home. No bed. No school. Nothing human. I formed a picture in my mind of human life. I saw warm golden light and a TV and couches and beds and tables. Food that came in boxes and cans. Books and magazines. Games. Stuff. And I saw my parents. 
at least the way I remembered my parents, from photographs. I'd been too young when they'd left to really be able to remember them. But I used to have pictures of them. That was the life I would never have again. Human life. But you know, even as I was wallowing in self-pity, I knew I was being dishonest. Maybe that warm, fuzzy, golden life was how some people lived, but it wasn't how I had lived. Not really. Okay, I thought. Okay, so maybe my life as a human sucked too. That doesn't mean I want to spend the rest of my life as a bird. And yet, I had another memory. More recent. I saw myself the way I had appeared when the elements had taken me into the turquoise mist. I saw myself half-bird, half-human. No! I said to myself. I shook off the image. Just an Elemis trick. I tried to stop thinking. I needed sleep. That's all. I just needed a good night's sleep. I'd be fine in the morning. I closed my eyes and tried to turn off the busy human mind that lived alongside the hawk's simpler intelligence. I closed my eyes. And when I opened them again, I was not in my tree. I was in a room. In a house. It was night, but I could still see blue numbers glowing from an alarm clock. And I could see someone lying in a narrow, disheveled bed. There was a sleeping, tousled, dirty blonde head lying on the pillow. A cold chill swept through me. I knew this room. This bed. I knew the person lying there, tossing and turning with sad dreams. I fluttered to the nightstand. The noise of my wings woke the sleeper. He blinked the sleep from his eyes and stared at me. A bird? He said. It's just a dream, I told him. My heart was beating so fast I thought it would explode. But at the same time, I felt a weird calm. Like I knew what was going to happen. Like it had all happened already. Then I saw the calendar. It was a Star Trek calendar. I guess that's funny. The date was the day before I had walked through the construction site with Jake and Marco and Cassie and Rachel. A dream? The sleeper sat up in his bed. He peered at me, and I saw a troubled expression in his eyes. I kind of know you, don't I? Kind of, I said. And I know you, Tobias. How do you know my name? I can't tell you that, but listen, Tobias, I... What could I say? What could I possibly say to my old self? I couldn't tell him everything would be alright. I didn't know that. I couldn't tell him what was about to happen to him. No sane person would believe it. Besides, I had forgotten this dream. Hadn't I? Tobias, I said. Walk home with Jake. Walk through the construction site. What? I just laughed a little sadly. Why had I told him to do that? Why had I sent him to the construction site? It was there that everything had begun. It was there that I had started down the path that led to me being trapped as a hawk. I knew the truth now. I could see it clearly. I was looking at myself. Back when I was human. And looking at myself, I couldn't escape the truth. That wasn't me anymore. I wasn't Tobias the Human. I had become something else. Something new. 
What had the element said? You are a beginning. You are a point on which an entire timeline may turn. Tobias? I said to the human, You should go back to sleep. I am asleep, aren't I? This has to be a dream. And if this isn't a dream, I'll never get back to sleep. I can help you sleep, I said. Hold out your arm. Don't be afraid. The human Tobias held out his arm. I flapped my wings and landed on him. I was as gentle as I could be with my talons. I didn't need to dig them in. Simple contact was enough. Tobias's eyes began to flutter. He became dazed and passive, the way all animals do when they are acquired. I closed my eyes and focused on him, on the human DNA that was being absorbed into my hawk's body. When I opened my eyes again, I was back in my tree. Had it been real? Or was it all just some silly dream? Don't forget! A huge voice said. Two hours, Tobias! I didn't ask what the Elemist meant. I knew. I had acquired my own human DNA. But it was just a morph. If I stayed in my old human body, I would be trapped there forever. Never again to morph. Never again to be a hawk. Never again to fly. Have I kept my promise? Yes, I said. And are you happy, Tobias? Chapter 27 The next day was Monday, the day when Rachel was to receive the Packard Foundation Outstanding Student Award. There were four other kids being honored, too. They held the presentation in the school gym. Parents were there, all proud of their sons and daughters. Kids were there, having a good time, basically because the assembly got them out of last period. I missed the early part of the ceremony. I had to be careful, you see. I had to time everything just right. There is a two-hour time limit, as I know better than anyone. In that time... I had to walk from the edge of the woods to the school and leave plenty of time to get back. I was scared and nervous, sneaking into the back of the auditorium. A teacher frowned at me, like she knew me from somewhere but couldn't quite recall where. I hung back in the shadows. The ceiling bothered me. I didn't like being where I can't see the sky. But I stood there as patiently as I could, watching the ceremony through dim human eyes and listening to the blah 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 through weak human ears. And only at the end, as the recipients filed out, did I step from the shadows. Rachel was last in line. She was beautiful, as always, and she had the usual Rachel swagger. I saw Cassie give her a wink as she walked by. Rachel rolled her eyes, self-mocking, and Cassie laughed. When she passed by where Marco was sitting, Marco made a phony bow, you know, like who was bowing before some idol. Rachel laughed and shook her head. And then she was right there, in front of me. I saw her eyes sweep over me, indifferent, and then look past me toward the door. She stopped walking. She turned to me. Her eyes were wide. Hi, Rachel, I said with a human voice. Is this right to your shadow?
Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, I'm your host and narrator, Daniel, and we did it. Book 13 is complete. Every time, it feels very surreal to me when I finish one of these. Um, Still super unbelievable to me that like I've kept going, and I'm so invested in this now. I'm actually like legitimately very proud of what i've created here and i hope everyone is you know enjoying this uh speaking of i actually have two new pipe and hot five star reviews that i would like to share with all of you that i got the first one is from excuse my juicy belches which is a great username uh who writes great series and great write sorry great series and great reader Never read the series as a kid, but it's very binge-worthy. The fellow reading the books is very comfortable to listen to. Highly recommended. Thank you so much. I'm glad that my voice is soothing and such, and it really is a super binge-worthy series. Uh, when I reread these a little after I graduated college, it really was like I'd get off work and just read for two hours and knock out a book. They're like popcorn. I love it. I also have a review here from Spaceless that uh, says, Thanks! So excited to have found this podcast. It's amazing to listen to them and awesome for my son to hear them for the first time. Your reading style is totally awesome and really brings a new style to the books I've read, dozen, I've read a dozen times already. I really enjoy the sound effects that are very well used without being overused and the slight change in your voice as the narrator is wonderful too. It's just enough to really clarify to somebody who may not have read the books before. I can't wait to listen to the whole series with you. Thank you so much, Spaceless. Uh, that's really cool to hear. I'm gonna try to stop cursing in these after show notes. I don't know if you're doing just the whole books or if you're doing episode by episode, but uh, I forgot that this is a children's series and children might listen to this podcast. So sorry about the previous ones. I'll moving forward. We'll we'll keep it PG. Uh. So thank you for those two reviews. Excuse my juicy belches. Again, great name. And Spaceless. Uh, and thank you all, all to you for sticking with me this far and listening along. Uh, we'll, we'll do all the other stuff, you know, another time. This is a celebratory moment. So as usual, I'll get that super cut out uh, sometime this week, hopefully. And then we'll just be on to the next book. So I'll see you then. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>